Welcome to Uncover Untapped Markets. I'm your host, Junie Baptiste Batavien, or call me Junie. I'm the visionary and problem solver that gets people to say, I didn't think about that, and give you a new perspective into how we can design products that benefit all. Uncover Untapped Markets illuminates the unique struggles and desires of product consumers and tech users for business leaders. As the founder and CEO of Propel Innovations, a boutique of inclusive design research giving businesses a competitive edge, we've asked ourselves, why aren't we targeting the multifaceted nature of people to build products that are adaptable? And business leaders have asked us, why is it important to design inclusively? Get ready to dive into a podcast that unveils the raw and emotional stories of people who have felt frustrated with products that just don't get it as we explore how meeting unique needs becomes the secret weapon for your business's success. We'll walk you through their journeys, shedding light on the struggles they face and the unique needs they have. This podcast is your gateway to understanding why designing products with those often overlooked is not only a smart business move, but also a way to make a positive impact while unlocking a competitive edge that your business truly deserves. much for coming along Nikki how's everything going yeah good thank you so much for having me I'm really excited to be supporting your overarching vision because I I really resonate with it that things are going well Um, I'm really happy with how things are tracking in terms of what we're doing at Scene Culture but yeah I'm really excited to help support this as well yeah that's awesome can you tell us a little bit about (laughs) Scene Culture absolutely Um, so our vision is to create a world where everyone feels seen. Um, We're we're a diversity, equity and inclusion platform. And ultimately, the difference we're trying to make is, um, you know, changing the narrative of um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and why people should invest in it, you know, not just because it's a moral obligation and the right thing to do, but actually showing the world that it accelerates business performance. Um, And so we combine uh, data science with behavior science to um, yeah, come up with ways that will enable people to feel seen within the workplace, but also acts as a decision-making tool for uh, business leaders and HR leaders when it comes to making sure that they're being really fair and equitable in the way that they um, provide opportunities for people at work, um, really advocating for the underrepresented and trying to level the playing field um, that we know is often not leveled for people with underrepresented backgrounds. So, yeah, trying to look out for those guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think what you've identified um, is quite important, like you said, right, in terms of being able to perform, to have better performance for your business, being able mm. to have more representation. Um, and it does really affect, like, how businesses perform. If people don't feel seen, if people don't feel like they can belong or they're being valued for it. Um, what's Can you give us a little bit of background about, like, yourself? Like, what are some of the multifacets you belong to? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess my, my background's in HR um, professionally, I guess. And, but I also uh, work as a, I'm a teacher at Melbourne University and um, I have a big focus on uh, positive psychology or what is also known as the science of well-being, motivation and performance. Um, so I'm, I'm 
always been super, super interested in studying what makes people exceptional at what they do. Um, so it's the other side of psychology rather than what we traditionally know it more to be about. So, um, and, and ultimately I'm, I'm trying to grab all of those things that I know in that space and, um, and trying to funnel it through uh, seeing culture and, and what we do, trying to make everyone feel happier, perform better, contribute more. Um, whilst also helping organizations create that environment that enables that in the best possible way. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about positive psychology. I think the word itself says it. <laughs> yeah. It's about like exceptional, like how do you bring out the, like someone's excellence or how they're exceptional? How do you bring that out with positive psychology? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's really understanding the underlying factors that contribute most to what makes us successful or what really lifts our well-being and um, often well-being is uh, thought of in um, the context of I don't know like eating healthy and exercising a lot but ultimately so much of it is also grounded in our psychological well-being and that's a space that I'm really passionate about um, so for instance one of the um, frameworks within positive psychology that um, is 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 very pronounced in the field is uh, self-determination theory and it highlights that we have three basic psychological needs um, and if those are met then that they, those are the factors that contribute most to us feeling intrinsically motivated um, and this is what I'm really interested in um, accelerating and enhancing more in the workplace and so those three factors are um, having a great sense of autonomy um, having a sense of social connection, as well as um, having a, a great sense of growth or, um, you know, having this opportunity to play to our strengths. Um, and that's that's in large part what we're trying to contribute to, to the workplace through our lens of um, knowing and understanding what are the factors that contribute most to people's um, success. Yeah. And um, I like the fact that it, it refers to like self-determination, because I remember when I was working in the field of Aboriginal health, like a lot of it was around self-determination. And it's so yeah. important, right? you need to uh, you do want to feel that autonomy. You do want to feel this independence. Mm. There are so many aspects of it, of health. Um, you mentioned, you know, well-being. We sort of think that it's only about fitness and whatnot, but it's wider than that. It's like, yeah. If like, can you like financially, do you feel capable of like being able to buy basic stuff or yeah. you, like you said, yeah. the connection, do you feel like you belong to a group of people mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you valued, where you can grow um, mm. like all these different little aspects definitely help like in the long run, not only just yeah. for one person, one individual, but as a whole. Um, which Absolutely. is doing with scene culture, helping businesses like tap into the self-determination of each individual that can actually mm -hmm. business itself. So the business ends up being like, quote unquote, a community, but from a business perspective. Yes, yes, exactly right. And and we're really trying to also show um, organizations how this is this approach is actually so much more sustainable in engaging, um, motivating and retaining employees compared to extrinsically motivating them with things like, you know, a salary increase or a bonus. And so we're, we're um, really excited to be able to show that to the world. It's, it's there very densely in the research. Um, and now I really want to make it a little bit more apparent in industry. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've watched the TV show on Netflix called 100 Humans. 
Um, have you watched? Oh, it? I think I might have seen a couple of episodes, but from a long time ago. It's super interesting, though. Yeah. So there's one section because you mentioned just now that you know uh-huh. um, people feel much more valued, much about the intrinsic, much more than the extrinsic. And there's one yeah. experiment that they do where you know they're sort of uh, like they have Lego. I think it is Lego, if my mind, if mm-hmm. I'm, if I remember correctly. And so they have to create the highest tower out of these Legos. And um, so in one room, you have a room that the incentive is you get money for it. And the other room, well, it's just, you know, motivation. And guess yeah. whom actually found better motivation to create the highest tower? The first one. The one with the, that's getting paid for it? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> exactly. Was the yeah. Other, right? Yeah. So and and so what you said is true. Like people will find much more value out of knowing that, like, oh, I can do something out of my own passion, what I believe mm. in, give back as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When we when we find that connection to to meaning and and purpose, I think that's ultimately you know the underlying like key driver that um, that really resonates with people and can really. Um, yeah just replace any other any other factors that might contribute otherwise yeah and so how is it that how did um how is your background like your multifaceted background informed yeah why you wanted to um build scene culture yeah yeah um well to be honest a lot of it is um a strong conviction to uh help people that might experience um similar challenges to what to what I've I've experienced um you know growing up and in the workplace so uh being someone who has um I guess my background I'm I'm Filipino I'm first generation um uh here like so my my parents migrated over from the Philippines and um we were very very poor (laughs) um uh, growing up um, I my my parents uh, divorced at a very young age like I was still a baby so I don't ever know them together and so it was really tricky um, growing up with a single mum who basically uh, was on, on ship work so she wasn't around much at all and of course I didn't my, my dad wasn't really around either um, and so it forced me to be very independent at quite a young age um, but I um, I did also have to navigate um you know what it what it means to try and uh, look after yourself when other people aren't really there looking after you um, from quite a quite a young age and my um, communication skills weren't very strong when I was younger like uh, there was so much that I didn't know and so I was forced to be able to like be good at reading behavior um, rather than communicating effectively and so and, and I think that's a big part of how I've become so interested in understanding psychology and like what motivates people to act and behave in certain ways uh so that's probably um a large part of it you know um obviously I'm being also a a woman in trying to make some strides in in the workplace environment it's tricky it's not just the the um glass ceiling that I've been trying to break through but it's also the bamboo ceiling because there are lots of um stereotypes that people put on you when when you have this background like I'm in particular I look much younger than I actually am 
I'm very small and petite. Um, I'm Asian and I'm a woman. And so there's this assumption that I'm quite, I don't know, submissive or <laughs> like, you know, not, so, I've been, um, so I have surprised many uh, direct senior directors in the past when I've sort of come in with my conviction about something or other. Um, and they're sort of like, oh, you're quite bolshy. Um, and I'm like, am I? Or is that just because you expected that I was, you know, something completely different and the gap is so big that you now think that I'm you know, quite, quite bullshy. And so it was hard for me to know if I was, to, if I should have taken that as a compliment or as a, um, yeah, <laughs> or to be offended. But either way, I was just sort of like, well, it's probably because you assumed something else and I've shown up as, you know, this other thing I've, I've contradicted probably the stereotype that you had of me. And you know what, I'm okay with that because you can see me for who I am now. Yeah, you've made so many points of that, the stereotype, <laughs> very like the different aspects of you as a person, like, you know, you're living. Mm. And so how did, um, so as a person with all these multifaceted um, aspects of your life, what's the biggest barrier mm. you experience with technology? With technology, I guess, um, honestly, people assume that I'm better with technology than I actually am. <laughs> That's probably one thing. Like, I'm actually not someone that spends much time using technology because I'm because of my nature and my personality. I'm someone that's sort of out there in person meeting people and I'm not really using devices um, a whole lot. Uh, and so that's that's interesting. Um, but uh, challenges that I experience are probably more around um because I have this background in psychology, I'm always trying to think of what is the, where is this coming from? Like, you know, why is this designed in this way? What is it trying to get at? And, and that, um, that's, a, that's interesting for me to navigate because I'm like, just take it at face value and do what you need to do with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way as well. It's interesting because like I don't have a technical background at all. I mm -hmm. do as a kid my dad had like a c++ which is like a programming language book and he was like right. on his own. and I remember like in high school we had to do like visual basics and I was like what the hell is all of that <laughs> and kind of like you right I've quite I love just interacting with people seeing people observing mm. what they do um and then I don't know like now I'm about a bit more into technology but it's mm -hmm. also to sort of see like someone who's not into technology who's building a piece of technology but yeah about like well why do people why is it designed in a certain way um yeah so like how does yes. your how does scene culture how is it designed differently then um I guess it's uh I don't know if it's necessarily designed differently but we really make a point of trying to obviously empathize with the challenges that a user might face when interacting with our platform. Um, and for us, that's really understanding, um, you know, the, the different journeys or customer journeys, user journeys, et cetera, that experience from um, the point of view of uh, the use cases for it um, so that we can really understand what is the, like the job to be done um, and how can we help address that and like fast track it and, you know, make that super seamless so that almost they don't realize that they're needing to do X, Y, Z in order for us to get them to that outcome. 
Yeah. Okay. And so for some people who don't understand what is jobs to be done, like <laughs> yeah, full of like what you've done with scene culture um, that got you to that point of understanding what was the job to be done for the user. Yeah, I guess it's a keen focus and really understanding and designing around the outcome that we're trying to achieve rather than the process or how of how to get there, um, which is, I guess, what a lot of people tend to get stuck on. And so because we are so focused on the outcome and the why, what that means is, um, uh, you know, we might we might be able to bypass certain assumptions around, um, I don't know, features that we think are useful, but actually it doesn't actually, it doesn't really serve a purpose just because it looks nice on, on the page. Is it actually contributing to the desired metric that we're trying to move the needle on? It's, is in large part how we then um, uh, place higher value on wanting to do certain things over others. Mm, yeah. And um, so what was one of the things that you, you found out with scene culture? Getting straight to the point in terms of answering the question that they have. So if, for instance, you're a business leader and you're trying to find out who the the next um, CEO of the business is going to be, um, what what they often, what a lot of um, people tend to get caught up on is, okay, how do different people rate against all of these different things that we care about, like in terms of, I don't know, commercial acumen or ability to do uh, business development and um, uh, communication skills and depth of expertise in their domain, all of these sorts of things. But ultimately what they really care about more than anything isn't necessarily the numbers or the scores for each of these, but um, the person who it's putting put through to, if it's got that peer validation from others so that they can feel comfort in being able to make that decision because it's being validated by others that have been able to contribute in giving that feedback. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, what you just mentioned, um, it's just so important to not get too attached with your assumption. <laughs> just, mm, yes. Like, you no, know, you have an assumption, great. But like figure out if it's the right one or not. <laughs> which is yeah absolutely yeah and so imagine you had to have dinner like you're having dinner with the big boss of a company uh what conversation would you have with this person about why they need to design it with you in mind and what's in it for them one of the key questions that that I would ask them is is diversity equity inclusion on their agenda um and if so why um often um if I get a real answer to this question, and I don't always do, um, they'll say, um, you know, like because what they what they'll typically say is, oh, it's just really important to make sure that we have gender equity or um, and and all of this. And I'm like, yes, but why? And it's like, oh, well, ultimately, they're just really trying to lift their PR status um, because they they look bad because they're not supporting. Um, people from underrepresented groups and and ultimately that's usually my opportunity to then demonstrate to them why it actually drives and accelerates performance it's not just about it looking good and trying to meet quotas um, but for us at seeing culture what we really care about is diversity of thought and diversity of strengths rather than diversity of demographic for the purpose of meeting quotas um, and, and it's going back to the outcome and the why for it, ultimately, because it drives different points of views and different perspectives that puts us in much better stead to make the most effective decisions in terms of, you know, 
progress and innovation and, and, and those sorts of things for the business um, where you're able to really capture, um, uh, you know, uh, and empathize with how you're either trying to design a product or service that really fits um, and um, addresses the needs of who the user is. So the more that you understand what they are, who they are, then the better you're able to do that. But if your decision makers are only representative of one particular demographic group, then it's really hard for them to be able to empathize with that. Um, so that's probably one of the key things. Yeah. And so, and, and going back to what you said earlier, you know, you'll ask them like, why do you actually do this? <laughs> When you didn't like, you don't really get an answer. Um, yeah, true, but maybe you know, it's it's what you want to hear. Um, yeah. If you had to go back to a time that you had to answer something like that, like, what's in it for them? What's in it for them um, beyond just the PR status? <laughs> yeah, um, really good question. And I usually refer to um, Moneyball in this situation as a as an example and so um for those who haven't watched the movie it's it's based on a book also called Moneyball but the um the subheading is the art of winning an unfair game um and ultimately it's a, it's it's a movie about baseball it's got Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill in it but um the crux of it is that they hire someone that knows nothing about the game but they're trying to pick the best players to be part of a team so that they can actually, you know, get some wins on the board. Um, and they need to use a different approach. And so what they do is, um, Jonah Hill actually, he uses data analytics um, that enables them to remove bias from selecting who they believe um, at face value to be, you know, the best, the best players. And so um, what, you know, fast forward to the end of the, the season, they make history in being um, the team with the longest winning streak. And they're able to do this at one third of the budget of like the Yankees, because there are all of these players that have been undervalued such that um, they're so much more affordable to, to bring on board to the team. And so we wanna make that same impact in terms of compensation spend within organizations, right? There are so many people that have been undervalued and we're like, okay, how can we actually value them for their true contribution, their value, their um, their potential, and make sure that that's really um, matching where they're at. But also going back to that intrinsic motivation, how can we more sustainably engage them such that they're, you know, motivated and high performing um, without needing to, you know, use use money as that extrinsic motivator because we know it's not nearly as sustainable. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I've seen, I've, I haven't watched the movie Moneyball, but I think that was an excellent example. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just love, I, I think I probably need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I highly recommend. <laughs> oh, that's really great. Um, is there a question that I haven't thought of that you would have liked me to ask you? Guess what's next? Um... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is next for you in scene culture? <laughs> Um, for us, I mean, we're, we're pretty keen at the moment on uh, obviously creating all of this impact within the workplace environment. And I'm, I'm really trying to just leverage my background in, in having worked in the HR industry for so long and really knowing and understanding what that experience is from, from being an employee to being a HR leader to being a consultant, all of that sort of thing. But actually, our vision is to create a world where everyone feels seen. And what that means is 
it needs to extend beyond the workplace. So I want to I want to take that up to industry level to um, and and go beyond just that corporate environment. So um, I'm really excited for where that will where that will take us. Who knows? Maybe we'll end up seeing a uh, seeing startups next. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're 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 really on the money with that. That's for sure. <laughs> I think we all, you know, are in this time and age, like age, and we're in this period of time where we're mm -hmm. all trying to find a way where people can be seen, where we can yeah. a bit more at a deeper level, like how people's lives are like and how they experience yeah. technology, how they experience products, and that's the importance of being able to shed light on that, illuminate that, and make sure mm -hmm. that for people that um, actually reflects you know the world that we're we're in and that we're coming into as well so really appreciate your time Nikki um, amazing story I wish you all the best with scene culture definitely will be <laughs> seeing startups and seeing everything else um, thank you so much really appreciate it thank you so much for having me This episode of Uncover Untapped Markets featured the inspiring and thought-provoking Nikki Tagano. I'm your host, Juni. Connect with Propel Innovations on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Propel underscore UX and read my blog posts on Medium at JuniVP. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other business leaders. Want to be a guest on our show? Reach us at hello at propelinnovations.co. Leave us a review so we can unveil more stories like in this episode. Hit that subscribe button to stay tuned and keep uncovering untapped markets.